1: Domingo Santana Ooh, I wanna have ya Tanagas for Cocktail and Jack
0: What's up, everybody, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, October 29th for our Way Too Early Starting Pitcher Preview Part 2. That was a mouthful. I am Frank Stanfield, joined as always by Scott White, and we have a new World Series champion, the Los Angeles Dodgers, finally getting it done after making it three of the last four years. Scott, I know deep down you were rooting for the Dodgers, right? Because then you could say that your Braves lost to the champion. So
1: it works out that way, right? Uh, Hmm. I, uh no, that wasn't the reason if I was rooting for the Dodgers. I I didn't have a strong rooting interest. I, I tend to like the underdog like like most fans do, but I also tend to want thing like when when it when when a team clearly deserves something, I kind of want it for them. Uh and the Dodgers uh you know, this unit they put together had they had to get a World Series championship out of it. Like it just would have been a Buffalo Bills level tragedy if they didn't. And so I'm glad they did. You know, the pressure's off for uh, for anybody who considers themselves a baseball fan, much less a Dodgers fan. And uh, now, you know, if, if they make it back, they don't need to win again. Like, it's it's happened. So that's... I I, I just get that I I get that sense of closure and that's that's a comforting thing
0: to me. I really just wanted Clayton Kershaw to get a ring man. So I'm super excited for him and we probably just lost our Buffalo audience. So sorry about that guys for bringing up the (laughs) Buffalo Pills. Uh, But of of course today on the show mentioned uh, we have more starting pitchers try and get through Scott's top 40. Where does he have Joe Musgrove? You'll have to wait and see a game of guess who and some Halloween talk. Uh, Scott. I saw a few tweets calling you out for not seeing Lost Boys, so it feels good to be on the other side of that. So <laughs> I saw one tweet. Let's not. I think it was overstated. a few. Maybe maybe it was an email. Maybe I don't know. There was something else out there. <laughs> uh, but of course, this is our Thursday edition of the podcast, which means we have a special guest, and apparently, he is really good at staying quiet for the first two minutes of the podcast. So I really do appreciate that. It is Nick Pollock. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at pitcher list you can find his rankings and a whole bunch of other really cool resources at pitcherlist.com and of course you can listen to nick on the pitcher list fantasy baseball podcast nick long time no see man what's going on man did i miss anything i want to make sure that i uh hit everything that you've got going on
2: what is happening now you got it down pat uh and yeah kershaw getting his ring that was so important i was so happy to see that i mean this is the best pitcher of our generation like come on he's got to have a ring he just has to I, agree, I, I got sick of the Clayton Kershaw,
1: Madison Bumgarner debates among, right. among the uh, uh, less intellectual wings of Twitter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> baseball Twitter, and uh, hopefully, hopefully this quiets those a little, especially since it looks like Madison Bumgarner uh, is, in a, is in premature decline now. But maybe he'll turn it around, you know, like Adam Wainwright kind of did. Maybe he will. He's not in my top 40, though. I can promise you that.
0: Uh, Yeah, he might not be in your top 80, and I wouldn't blame you. Madison Mumgarner, not looking too good there. Of course, uh, talking about the Dodgers winning the World Series in six games, it's their first title in 32 years. I don't want to hark on this too much, but, man, Kevin Cash, (laughs) what are you doing, dude? Like Blake Snell, absolutely dealing. Five and a third, two hits, zero walks, nine strikeouts, and he takes him out. Nick Anderson has not been pitching well, and he winds up blowing the game. Like, Nick, what, what is going on? Like, why why do good managers just turn into pumpkins when they are in the biggest spots? Like, I understand there's a lot of pressure, but,
2: dude, like, why take out Blake Snell there? Why? So, okay, in Cash's defense, they do have a fantastic bullpen, and this is a one nothing game, and... You have to rely on the thing that got you there, which was this. And not Snell. Honestly, Snell hasn't pitched a quality start since July 21st of 2019. Boom. So I can understand that this is not the MO that they've had. But bringing in Nick Anderson, who has been struggling, is I don't know if that was the right call there. And, and Snell, I mean, honestly, I, someone uh, someone shared a gift with me today of Mike Messina telling Joe Torre to stay in the dugout.
0: Yeah, I saw that one the other night, too. (laughs) And there's a part, I mean, I love
2: that. Oh, it's so great. And that kind of conversation just doesn't happen anymore unless you're, you know, the aforementioned Madison Baumgartner, essentially, right?
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like pitchers nowadays just can't do that.
2: It doesn't happen. And so it's painful to see it. And really, like anyone watching that game knows how good Blake Snell was doing. He had a 40% CSW and only like 75 pitches, essentially. So. Uh, I really just wanted him to see see him go the distance. Really, actually, have that definitive performance. he, had, he pitched his best game of his career in the previous start, and then was beating it in this one. And uh, that was painful to watch. and I just feel bad for Snell because he knew he could have done it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you watch him in the post game uh, press conference too. He's like, "It's not up to me. I wanted to keep going." But you know, he didn't throw anyone under the bus. So uh, right. I, I guess he just kind of take it and move on. But man, he was uh, he looked fantastic, and that's that's part of the tantalizing upside when it comes to Blake Snell, and we'll talk about him a, later, a little bit later on as well. Scott, I know that you're writing an article about players who excelled in the postseason and how that can affect their fantasy value in the future for the 2021 season. Randy Rosarena, I don't really know what else we could say about this guy. He hit another home run in Game 6. that That brought him to 10 home runs, 29 hits in 20 postseason games, uh, I have a feeling he's going to be drafted inside the top 100, Scott, and maybe even like really high inside the top 100 next year, which is scary.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's I, I don't think it would be unjustified when I did my outfield rankings before the playoffs were over and he added on a few more home runs. Uh, I had him 38th in the outfield and I thought that was being fair. Going to have to re-examine that, I think. He ended up with, between the regular season and postseason, he ended up hitting 17 home runs in 141 at-bats. Uh, if you look at the slugging percentage leaderboard, for, you, you take those combined stats, regular season, postseason, Ferreira Arena. his slugging percentage would have led all qualifiers during the regular season by a considerable margin. And, you know, I, I can't recall... Um, I can't recall a player who went on one of these playoff or late season tears and got as high as 17 home runs with it. Like, I, I don't know, something about just that number uh, makes it hard to, to discount. He doesn't elevate particularly well, but he, he he drives the ball to the opposite field well. And in the minors, he already showed he could hit for average. His strikeout rate actually got a lot better in the postseason, Uh, he, he, he's a fast runner and, uh, we didn't really see him steal many bases. He only stole four bases between you know, two months, you know what it amounts to basically. Um, but he could, he's certainly capable of stealing more if the Rays let him. And right now, I mean, he, if there's anybody in the Rays lineup, you're going to pick to play every day that, that they'll be willing to play every day. I would, you know, they don't tend to do that with many hitters, but he would be the guy, right? They, I think they started him every single game of the postseason. So I, you know, I, I, I reserve some skepticism, but it's, it's, it's been mostly shattered um, by the way he closed out the postseason.
0: Yeah. You mentioned he's a fast runner. He's also a fast tumbler, as we saw as well. But he got back to his feet. It was pretty impressive. He did it all very quickly. Let's dive into these ranks. We left off right about, right around 20. 20- in our first uh, early starting pitcher preview, you can go back and listen to that on demand. Uh, but let's start here with... This group is a lot of spooky names, Scott. Guys that you might be scared to draft in 2021. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty corny. I'm sorry. Denelson Lamette. Denelson Lamette at number 18. Tyler Glass now at 19. Steven Strasburg at 20. And Mike Levenger at tw- uh, 21. All these pitchers... Have massive upside, and they have all shown that, but they all come with some level of injury risk. So, Scott, as of today on well, we're recording this on Wednesday, October twenty eighth, two thousand and twenty. Who do you think is the safest of this group? Lamette, Glassnow, Strasbourg, Strasburg, Clevenger. I think it's, I think it's
1: probably Strasburg. I he think had so too. Carpal <laughs> tunnel crazy. surgery on his wrist, and we don't have a long history of, of pitchers coming back from that, but it, it, it doesn't sound like the sort of procedure that would have long-term ramifications. And, and obviously he has a long track record of success. He, uh, he, I I agree with Nick that he's probably not somebody who's going to see his innings severely limited. And, uh, you know, I, I I suspect a Nelson Lamette and Tyler glass now will, uh, even though I rank them ahead of Strasburg. Um, you know, it's going to depend on where these guys actually end up going, how, how invested I'll be in them. But I, I, I suspect Strasburg the one I'll be most invested in because uh, people will just be scared away by the fact he basically had a lost season. And um, I, think, I think the track record counts for more. I, I don't really think anything he did. I th- he made two starts, right?
0: Yeah, he pitched five innings. <laughs> uh,
1: and considering his wrist wasn't feeling right, it's, it's, it's meaningless what he actually did. So I look at the track record for Strasburg, and you know, this time a year ago, or coming into this year, he was top 10. I think 20th is, is going to be a, a nice spot for him.
0: And Strasburg's whole career is basically a yo-yo. You look at where he has finished at starting pitcher over the last four years, not included this year, obviously, because five innings, but he was the SP4 in Roto in 2019, SP42 in 2018, SP5 in 2017, SP19 in 2016, and you see that fluctuated in his ADP year after year. It's one year it's up, then he performs well, then the, the ADP um, goes down, and he's he's an early draft pick, and it's... He's just all over the place. So if you're getting him at a discount, which early ADP has him at 83, that'll rectify itself. He's not going to go that late, obviously. Um, but it seems like he is a name that you will get at a discount in 2021. And someone that I will be quite excited about, Nick, someone I know who you are quite excited about is Denelson LeMet. And and there are a lot of reasons to be excited about him. And I, I love that Scott has Denelson LeMet and Tyler Glass now back-to-back in the ranks. And I said this on our previous podcast. I think these guys are like mirror images of each other where they only have two pitches and they throw like nearly 100 miles per hour and they both have awesome breaking pitches. But of course, we have these massive injury concerns uh, with Nelson LeMet. He had the biceps tightness towards the end of the season and he had Tommy John surgery back in 2018. So tell me why you are still so excited about Nelson Lemette for next season.
2: So just to be clear here, when it comes to like a lot of these guys, like Clevenger is around here too. And and, yeah, Strasburg, uh, we don't really know what the injury situation is. And before I, you know, all making these ranks, I kind of had the assumption that they would be cleared by February or so. Uh, And in Lomet's situation, he did go to doctors and he was cleared. You know, they didn't suggest any sort of surgery, anything like that, which is excellent news uh, for Lomet. The reason, though, between him and Glasnow, they're a little bit different. Uh, if you watch Tyler Glasnow pitch, anyone will tell you on a given offering, if he throws a curveball, it's like you're crossing your fingers if it's going to be a strike or not. He does not know what is going on with it. And neither does LeMets. but LeMets goes in the zone like all the time. And it, it's kind of crazy. I call Nelson LeMets Professor chaos because he really just – His strike zone plots are just scatter plots. It's just randomness. But it's not randomness in the dirt. It's randomness always around the plate. And that's kind of what separates the the two of them for me because the best pitch between the both of them is that slider. I mean, it's the number one pitch in baseball right now. Daniel Sinlam Lomet's slider. It's just so far and away that good. And he threw it over 50% of the time this year. It's just kind of crazy to me how good lamette was 209 era 0. 0.86 whip 14 percent swing strike rate on it too and i mean the slider is excellent then the fastball was the the weird part like okay that's going to be the detrimental aspect of lamette but he increased its velocity another tick i mean he pushed this pitch to about 97 miles per hour last year that's fantastic even at times pushed it's like 101 and to make a bad pitch just a little bit better, at least decent, and having this exceptional, I mean, the elite of elite pitches in the slider, that changes things a bit for me. With Glasnow, its he's always going to be volatile. I mean, the man is is too tall. You know, He has such a long <laughs> arm circle. The, the timing is just very difficult, and it's kind of why Lucas Giolito, when he changed, it was a shorter arm circle. He had to do that because it's just too hard to be consistent with such a lanky uh, uh, windup in our stature. And I mean, yes, his extension is so good, but it, it's too much of this risk reward, I think. And that's why you see a four plus ERA from, from glasgow even though if you watch them, you didn't feel it was any different than that eight start stretch he had to start 2019. And I don't want to deal with that. And while I do think there is going to be some volatility, I mean, Dylan limit is not going to be this good. I th- still feel that with that slider, it's going to allow him to get through more starts comfortably than Glasnow.
0: And, and just to put in perspective, how absurd it is that Denelson Lemet used his slider fifty three percent of the time. The next closest person in terms of slider usage for qualified starters was Clayton Kershaw at forty percent. So <laughs> Denelson Lemet threw his slider thirteen percent more of the time than Kershaw did. Uh, A 97 mile per hour fastball and an 87 mile per hour slider for Denelson Lemet. So he's nasty, but we have to see what's going on in the off season. He did visit Dr. James Andrews, and he has no ligament damage. Uh, He is going for platelet-rich plasma therapy. So Mm. good luck. I'm actually not
1: as worried about the injury for Lemet as I am. Just he's a couple years removed from Tommy John surgery, and he threw 70 innings this year. And you know. Mm. Maybe we could treat it as actually more than 70 innings because of whatever was happening on the side. I, I don't know. But, you know, just a guy that recently removed from Tommy John's surgery increasing his innings count by 100 the next year. I mean, it would take 80 to get him to 150, you know, which is you, you want more than 150 from a top 20 pitcher. Uh, so I, I if there's if there's one pitcher that I hate, I hate that we're coming off the short season and don't know how to handle workload situations like that. It's to Nelson LeMet because I I want him uh, probably in my top 12. If, if he, he was coming off a normal season where he stayed mostly healthy, you know?
0: Yeah. And he pitched that good to, uh, to be deserving of that ranking. It's just, we have to see, what happens in the offseason in terms of the injury and how what they're talking about in terms of his workload for 2021 as well. Scott, next up in the ranks, you have Corbin Burns at SP22 and you have Blake Snell at SP23. Blake Snell mentioned the upside is tantalizing. When he has all four pitches working, he is maybe the best pitcher in baseball. Like I don't think that it is a stretch to say that. We saw what he did just a few years ago when he won the Cy Young Award. Scott, I do want to ask you, though, regarding Blake Snell... Is he a Roto head-to-head category only pitcher? Because he has not completed six innings, and Nick brought this up, since July 21st, 2019. So because the Rays treat him this way with kids' gloves, I think that he might just be a Roto only play because he's not going to give you a lot of volume in terms of innings.
1: Yeah, I I think there's certainly a limit on his ceiling. I mean, he wasn't somebody who went especially deep into games, even in a Cy Young winning season. He had a lot of win-loss luck that year. And, of course, the ERA below two, um, I don't think anybody really thought that was sustainable. Um, But I I think the expectation was he would continue to... um, to increase his innings from year to year, and, and the Rays would develop a level of trust with the Rays where they're letting him go seven innings with consistency. And now he's not even going six at all, like the minimum for a quality start. And of course, that limits his win potential as well. I mean, he, he's must start in, in, in categories leagues too, uh, because of the ratios he gives you. I, I think Danelson Lamette, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, kind of a Freudian slip there. I think Blake <laughs> Snell is the best swing and miss pitcher in baseball. Maybe Jacob deGrom has passed him at this point. Maybe not. But Snell's certainly up there. But when you can't ever trust him to go six, and I just suspect that's going to be the way it is for as long as he's pitching for the Rays, Like, you, you can't have him as your number one pitcher, obviously. Your number two pitcher, I think, is a stretch. Frankly, I personally wouldn't want him as my number three, even. But um. oh,
0: this is another one we're identifying pitchers early in the off that Scott will have zero shares of in <laughs> yeah. 2021. Walker Bueller well, was I, the first one. I had one. zero shares of Snell this past season. Walker Bueller was the first one. We figured that out in, in our first po- uh, starting pitcher podcast, and now we're figuring out Blake Snell because his early ADP Scott is it's up there. It is 49.6.
1: But this is, this is something that's differentiated me from the rest of the fantasy baseball community I, for a few years now. I just I seem to put more emphasis on workload than the average fantasy baseball analyst. And I think for these, these two pitchers specifically, uh, given the way their teams the history of their team's handling of them, I, I feel pretty confident we're going to be disappointed in their workload again next year. Uh for those two pitchers specifically. So, so that's really what it comes down to for me. I mean, I see the talent too. I, I wish it wasn't the case that their teams treated them the way they did, but it is. And, you know, I, I'm going to be a realist about it.
0: Yeah. And the other name that you are, we're lumping in together here is uh, Corbin Burns, who everyone was excited about throughout the course of the season. And how can you not be? I mean, he flashes upside. He had a four start, um, four starts against the Royals, Pirates, Indians, Tigers, 25 innings pitched, 0 earned runs, 37 strikeouts. Of course they were all great matchups, but <laughs> like you don't see other pitchers do what Corbin Burns did against those four teams in particular in those four starts so he was ridiculous uh Nick the upside I think for Corbin Burns is massive the whiffs are there the arsenal is there he has a deep repertoire Uh, he just needs to fine-tune that command a little bit the first pitch strike percentage is still a little bit low for me Uh, and as a result like he has just have he has so much movement on his pitches that sometimes he gets in trouble with the command and he walks too many guys and and that kind of limits how deep he can he can go into games so uh where are you at on Corbin Burns Heading into oh, next man. year, would you like? what would you feel comfortable with him as your SP2, your SP3,
2: your SP4? So, yeah, probably between three and four. Okay. Um, I love Corbin Burz. I really just want to hand on something really quickly that you mentioned, Scott. First of all, the Lumet point, excellent point. And I think the innings workload is something I do need to consider when I redo my rankings, definitely for him. Uh, with Snell, the thing that we're kind of overlooking is like, he had a 120 whip this year and 127 last year. And that's not going to change until he throws his slider and curveball comfortably inside the zone. That's dropped considerably since it was in 2018. It was like 38% for each of those pitches. Now they're both below 30%. Fewer strikes with it forces more fastballs in. And that's why you see the home run per nine at 1.8 this year, 1.18, both going out the same with the home run per five ball rate as well. That makes me concerned. And yeah, great point. Innings too. We're not going to really see him go with the same workload as the other guys. And I'm kind of siding with you, like Lance Lane, for example, this year, I was in on Corey Kluber because I thought he'd throw more innings, you know? That, mm-hmm. I think that is definitely something I'm going to be putting a larger weight on for next year. So, when Corbin Burns, yeah, I'm probably going to be out on him too, but for that same yeah. reason. And Corbin Burns is okay. I love him because last year I was psyched. I was like, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, who is the best pitch? Corbin Burns, best slider. Woodruff, get out of here. I don't care about you. I'm going in on Corbin Burns. And of course, he burned me completely. But now he fixed himself because he noticed, hey, my four-seamer, that has cut action on it. You know what? Instead of trying to make a good four-seamer, I'm just going to lean into that and emphasize that cut action. So he turned into a full cutter, and that cutter was really good. I mean, Mm -hmm. 29% usage this year, uh, 58% zone rate, and 15% swing strike rate. So he's getting a ton of whiffs and throwing it confidently in the zone Normally, you see with that kind of swing strike rate, it's underneath 50%. It's like 40% or something like that. Phenomenal, phenomenal pitch. And he was throwing it to lefties. Like, cutters going inside to lefties, sinkers going in to right-handers. It sometimes burned him, though, because he's so unwieldy with that sinker. It would hit guys all the time. But I love that he was missing in as opposed to over the plate with it. it. And a lot of guys just kept fishing with it. And that's really, really effective for Corbin Burns. I don't know if it's really going to stick. That 10% walk rate is probably going to stick around. While the 37% K rate for Corbin Burns, yeah, that's probably not. It's going to be closer to 32% unless, unless he goes to his slider. That slider is stupid good. 12% usage this season on that slider. While it had a swing strike rate of 27%. I, it, it doesn't make sense to me why all of a sudden you turned away from that. And I do think there is a balancing act to be had here with Burns where it's fewer sinkers where you can't really control them as much. You turn that slider a little bit more, but that cutter is a new pitch that's going to stay. So it, it does mean that there's a high floor here. I think a higher one than we kind of want to give him credit for, but the innings hurt. The mm. walk rate will be kind of questionable. I don't really see a one Oh two whip either. So yeah, it's, it's risky. It's fun, <laughs> but it's too risky for me.
0: Yeah. And, and that
1: I was, when I was first putting together these rankings, you know, I'm coming off, coming off a season where we were breaking it down start by start, like we usually do. I had in my mind, okay, I am high on Corbin Burns. I am low on Lance Lynn. And like, I, does Corbin Burns throw more than 100 innings next year? Has he, right. he spent so much time in relief and he, he didn't even get to 60 this year? So, I mean, we know Lance Lynn. I mean, mid-30s, last year of his contract, he threw seven innings more often than not this past year. Like, we know the Rangers are going to work him to death. And I I may, I may think he overperformed this year looking at his peripherals and Burns, you know, start for start or inning for inning, I should say I'd take him. But, like, it could be a huge difference in innings between those two.
0: Yeah, so... It- Corbin Burns was at 59 and two-thirds innings in 2020 and just 49 in 2019 because obviously he spent so much time in the bullpen too. So we really just have no idea. Is it 100? Is it 120? Is it 150?
2: No, I, nobody I mean, knows. And how can we project? 150 would be
1: crazy. It would be That'd crazy. It would be great. But like I just, I really have a hard time believing that's going to happen.
2: And then not, not to mention, there's a thing about the Brewers. I call it camp counseled where they get pulled too early, kind of like the Rays were. This used to be the thing. It was only Woodruff that would go deep. Now, fortunately, Burns was able to go seven innings at a time or six innings here, but I don't know. I mean, this, next year, they could be pretty careful about that. They don't want to push them too far. It could be a lot of five innings for Burns, which and doesn't That's even things. worse. Yeah, That's even worse.
1: I'd rather right. get fewer starts, you know, six innings more often than not than these, like, four and two-third innings starts. Right. <laughs> like, it's... The- it's-
2: those are called hipsters to me. Yeah. headache inducing pitchers that stifle the entire roster. You don't know what <laughs> to do with them, and you don't know when you're going to get your innings. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's like Lance McCullers. I didn't know when he was going to get 120 innings or so. It's like I don't do I want this? I I don't I don't know if I do or not. And uh, yeah, I feel that way with Burns now too.
0: I don't remember the last time I've heard, I heard an acronym that long, so I, I appreciate it. Oh, man. Uh, before we move on to our next group, I do want to remind everyone, obviously, fall and winter are approaching. I know I need a new wardrobe, and I'll be looking to upgrade at Express. This is truly the easiest sponsor we've ever had because my friends and I have been wearing Express for years because of their unique combination of style, fit, and comfort. We would legit Text each other when we found deals over at Express, and that's exactly what we have for you today. We're offering you $25 off your next $50 purchase. All you have to do is text baseball to 397 737. Again, text the word baseball to 397 737. No matter what you're looking for, you can find at Express with the weather cooling down. They have jackets and sweaters for the fall. If you need to get dressed up, they have suits and blazers. And make sure to check out their Art of the Essential collection, key pieces of clothing with endless style potential, moisture wicking, performance polos, wool blend V-neck sweaters, and a three-pack of slim stretch crew neck T-shirts for under $30. So it's a fantastic deal. And the offer that we have for you today, $25 off your next $50 purchase over at Express by texting BASEBALL to 397737. Next up in the ranks, Scott, you have... At 24 through 27, Zach granke Hyunjin Ryu, Zach Plesak, Kyle Hendricks. Don't want to talk about the boring guys. I want to talk about the fun guy. And the yeah. one that I don't really know what to do with. I don't know if anyone knows what to do with him. And, of course, that is Zach Plesak. Uh So, Scott, what do we do with Zach Plesak? How did how did, how did we get here
1: with Zach Plesak? Well, first of all, since... Talking about the different spellings of Zach has kind of become a bit for us. Uh, I'm just noticing I spelled his name wrong in my, my write-up here, in my top 40 Boom. on the site. <laughs> so I'm going to go in and fix that. But Scott, your yes, brother is
0: named Zach. How can you spell Zach Plesak wrong? I,
1: I don't know. The, the, the real question is, does he spell his name like my brother does? And I don't know the answer to that either. I don't think He spells knows. his name Z-A-C-H. Zach Plesak does. And uh, in terms of fantasy points per start this year people will be surprised to hear he was third. He was behind only Bieber and Bauer in, uh, in terms of fantasy points per start. Now it was only eight starts so, you know, everybody, small sample size, of course, but his was even smaller because of that, that banishment to the minors for violating team rules. Um, but he came back, you know, pitching great still. He uh, He's somebody who really started emphasizing his secondary arsenal more uh, and and, you know using his fastball less and it it seemed like it it really improved his bat missing ability. He threw a ton of strikes. Uh I could definitely see it. Like the ERA isn't going to exactly translate as he had an ERA right around 2, you know, give it add an extra run to that, but I I could see the breakthrough in a broader sense being legit. I just don't know that I'm ready to go there completely after only 8 starts. So you know by ranking him 26th, I feel like I intentionally downgraded him some, hopefully, not too much. That I'm not going to end up with any shares of him because I'm mostly optimistic. I feel like,
0: yeah, Zach Plisak, you mentioned he made eight starts, he went at least six innings in all of them, which like he pitched very efficiently. And uh, one of the big keys for him was command and the fact that his. Walks per nine went from 3.11 in his rookie season in, in 2019 to 0.98 in 2020. So less is more. Use the fastball less. Use his slider and change up more, which legitimately became plus pitches. Uh, I am pretty excited about Zach Plisak as well. And I think this is a good range to have him. You have him at SP26. Nick also has him at SP26. Uh, and Nick, I would love to get your thoughts on Plisak.
2: But. Well, I just think that Scott is right. I don't care what I what I said. Um, <laughs> he got the rank right. I don't know what mine was. Uh, no, it, it's really helped Zach Zach to have this really good changeup. You can throw in the zone confidently. Uh, 51% zone rate and a 125 batting average allowed this year on that pitch with a 17% swing strike rate, and that allows him to expand the zone with a slider. He upped its O swing from 29% to 43%. That means a ton more chases out of the zone on that slider. Swing strike rates, 17%, already pretty good, up to an elite 24% on it. And that that really changed everything and allowed him to not throw that fastball, as Scott mentioned, a ton. And that's kind of the Cleveland way. We saw that with Aaron Savali as well. Uh, uh, Shane Bieber has done that. Carrasco has done that. It's really encouraging. And the fact that he went to that alternate snipe site makes me think, like, okay, it's, it was more than like 55 innings or whatever it was for police sack. It's probably closer to 70 or so he was pitching during that time, I imagine. But uh, it's weird because we talk about like Lamet and Burns, few innings this year. We can't really expect them next year. Cleveland is the one exception to me. They are an organization that is proven to push their starters all the way as much as they can. And maybe not with Clevenger a little bit because someone named Josh Tomlin was there and they decided to block him with Tomlin. I still don't (laughs) understand that. I, but with Plesak, I feel like they're just going to lean on him a lot last next year. They're not really going to baby him. They're not really that kind of organization. So I, I feel a little bit more confident in the innings and the workload of Plesak. The question really is, how much is that fastball going to be detrimental for him next year? And is he going to be able to keep up that 24% swing strike rate on a slider? I want to think so. As you mentioned, the command, Frank, it was there, and not just in that control, of that 3% walk rate. I mean, he was truly dominating with that slider and change up fastball was still a little bit lucky and that could come back to haunt him but hey 228 era this year fine that goes down to three four i'm still absolutely loving this with a 25 plus k rate and yeah really efficient starts here of six to seven innings each time he could be incredibly effective for your squad
0: yeah, and could be great for points leagues as well because of that volume on a per-start basis. So, uh, look, Cleveland just has a knack for developing starting pitchers, and I really don't like to bet against them. So, I am I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I'm I'm in on Zach Plisak. Uh, the fastball's not good, but secondary stuff is is very good, so hopefully he can keep that up in 2021. We're going to take a quick break. Just want to remind everyone, sign up for our newsletters at CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball today. Uh, You will get Scott's rankings and my latest articles right now to your inbox. Uh, Chris Towers also does a great job with the Fantasy Football Today newsletter. Just go to cbssports.com newsletters and choose all the ones you'd like to subscribe to. Also, we'll have a mailbag segment next week here on the podcast where we answer your questions from Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the show, the show, just drop a five-star rating and In the review, be sure to ask your question. If you've left a review in the past, you can actually update it with a new question. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to as many more pictures as we possibly can here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe... You want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. At SP28 and 29 in the ranks, Scott has Dylan Bundy and Max Freed. And I'll go your way here, Nick, on uh, Dylan Bundy, because I was listening to, I believe it was the Sleeper on the Bus podcast that you did with Paul Sporer, and you guys kind of butt heads a little bit on Dylan Bundy, and
1: I don't think you have my most updated rankings, Frank.
0: What is that? Why I actually would I dropped.
1: 30, I actually have Dylan Bundy at thirty-two now.
0: Ah, uh,
1: yeah, sorry. That that's my bad. I forgot I sent it. I forgot I made that change after sending you the rankings. I actually have Max Free twenty eight and Zach Wheeler twenty nine.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree with this, by the way, Scott. I think okay. you did great work here, Nick. You are you are <laughs>
0: anti Dylan Bundy, right? I'm I'm skeptical here. No. It's basically we are uh, are we buying into his first four starts of the season, basically, where he had a one point five seven ERA during that span. His last eight starts, a four point six two ERA. And when Dylan Bundy does not have his slider, he really does not have anything. And we saw that in those starts where he struggled. So I am kind of worried about Dylan Bundy, Nick.
2: Yeah, it's, I am too. It's, it's, it's a case where, I look, I am so excited about Dylan Bundy. I've been rooting for him to do well for ages because that slider is phenomenal. And back in the day, that changeup used to be phenomenal too. But right, I mean, he had this nice little stretch it's really hard for me to buy in uh, inside the top 35 or top 40 really for Dylan Bundy when we just haven't seen it for long enough at this point. And he has these detrimental aspects with fastballs that are still very hittable. It's it's just not enough for me to get on board where I feel like if I'm getting him around SP 30 or so, then he has to be this again for the most part. And I'm just not ready to buy into that.
1: That, that basically sums it up for me too. It's just the, the floor is so low and there isn't enough evidence given his track record that he's that he's totally right now so you know I, it sounds like i'm a little higher on him you still having him 32nd and you're saying outside of your top 40 yeah it's like um, 41 yeah but i i expected him to be higher in my rankings than than he ultimately had that he ultimately is
0: all right, Scott, so you wound up with Max Freed at, at 28, and, and I'm a little bit torn on Max Freed because too. you look yeah. at the fan graphs He's numbers great. and it's like, okay, the strikeout rate's not impressive. It's eight Ks per nine. The walks went up, three walks per nine. He had an XFIP over four. Of course, like the surface numbers, a low two ERA, and he had a whip around one. Those are all fantastic. Uh, the swinging strike rate really has not been impressive the past two years. It's right around league average, just slightly above it. Those are the bad things. The good... 268 BABIP, some people might look at that and say, well, that's not sustainable. You look at his career marks. Well, well, he has progressed as a pitcher, and he has gotten better, and he limited hard contact this season to a, it was 23.8%. His average exit velocity, 83.4 miles per hour. That was in the 98th percentile. So he really does not give up a lot of hard contact, which seems to correlate with a low BABIP. He also has a 53% ground ball rate, seemingly every year. Uh, his XERA was 2.97 in the 88th percentile. So, Scott, I am just torn. <laughs> I don't know what to think about Max Fried. What do you think?
1: I think the floor is pretty high. You have a ground ball rate that high. Uh, you're going to limit damage on, uh, you know, in terms of power, the the way teams most teams score most of their runs these days. Uh, but... Yeah, I it's weird because I was so high on him coming into this season, and I think at first glance it'll seem like he improved, right? But if he's not going to be much of a control pitcher, if he's not going to be much of a bat-misser, and it's really just that ground ball rate he's depending on, there are clear limits to the ceiling there as well. It was only 11 starts, and I may be tempted to give him a pass, especially since he had at least one really good strikeout game in the playoffs but uh, he went five. It was, he was basically a five inning pitcher this year. He had a couple starts where he went six, but like they, they treated him. They they treated him kind of like Blake Snell, frankly, which I didn't notice as the season was playing out, but looking at the game log after the fact, it's like, wow, um, that, that, that's the most worrisome part of it at all for me. So, uh, I, I'm, I feel like I'm giving him a lot of the benefit of the doubt by ranking him this high. I don't know if this is going to make Nick's head explode, but I, I'm actually tempted to rank Fromber Valdez higher if I was just assessing them based on what happened in, uh, Scott, in 2020.
2: Scott, Scott. Nick please. is freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, with, with Freed, uh, I think the reason for the, the shorter starts this year is that he wasn't as efficient. His fastball didn't earn the same strikes that he used to same O swings but zone rates dropped nine points that's significant uh that's a that's a lot and his slider and curveball didn't really change his, his curveballs it's weird it doesn't get swings out of the zone very often doesn't get a lot of whiffs and we think that it's this big pitch i remember when he first came up i remember even sunday night baseball talking about wow that ton of, like fastballs up and curveballs down normally what i love yeah he doesn't really do that that consistently his slider is really good But it's still just like a 15% swing strike rate. It's not that elite. Like we just mentioned 24% of Zach Plisak. So the whole package to me of Freed is very strange. He allowed his only two home runs of the year in his last start of the year. He had no home runs until that final start, which is, again, very strange. I just, you know, the, the argument that he's a command guy and he's going to be this really good floor pitcher constantly well, normally you see that with a guy like Heiko, who's able to put it around the edges and you know get a lot of good uh, o-swing on changeups. Like Ryu does that really well. It's so strange because that's not really what he does. But then he's also not really getting a ton of strikeouts either. He's this weird mixed bag of things. that He's never really really good at one thing, but he's pretty decent at a, a, a number of things. So I think the floor there is is kind of good, but he's constantly figuring it out. I'm just crossing my fingers that he's going to develop. And that could happen next year. This wasn't really enough of a sample for him to take the next step. And we could see that in 2021.
0: Max Freed, Jack of all trades, master of none. So just to reiterate the rankings, so we'll get this right. You have uh, Max Freed at 28. You have Zach Wheeler at 29. And then 30 through 34, you have Sonny Gray, Framber, Valde- Framber Valdez, Dylan Bundy, Jose Barrios, and Chris Paddock. I'm setting it up. Here we go. The cage match. Look, Scott's got this grin on his face. He's ready to go. Scott, you have Framber Valdez at SP 31. Nick has him at SP 53. Ho, 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 ho. All right. The cage match. Here's what we're going to do. We're running out of time. Originally, I was going to give you guys a minute each. You now have 30 seconds. Oh, geez. 30 seconds each to defend either your love or disdain for Framber Valdez. And Scott. You are up first, starting now.
1: Framber Valdez had the best ground ball rate of any pitcher this year by a pretty significant margin, and that's always been there for him. Even though he doesn't get a lot of whiffs, he gets strikeouts. That's always been there for him, too. It's really just a question of whether the improvements in control hold up from one season to the next, and I don't know the answer to that, but... He's such a standout with the ground balls and for somebody who stands out like that and ground balls gets a good number of strikeouts that like this, this whole package could go really right. Plus, Baker showed a willingness to let him throw seven innings with, you know, fair regularity, which is obviously very important to me. So I see a pretty high ceiling here if he can keep those walks down. Mercy.
0: 43 seconds. You're, uh, you're banned from the competition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, here... To go against Framber Valdez is Nick Pollock starting right now.
2: Curveball is excellent. It's a pitch that can really steer an entire start. The problem is when it's gone, there is nothing else. That sinker is not a good pitch. He got really fortunate this season, and without any a third option to turn to, well, we saw Framber actually not perform well this year when that curveball was gone. 2019, that curveball was in and out, and we saw a 5.86 ERA, having a high ground ball rate is only good if you have a high swing strike rate. Only 10% for a 26% K rate does not match with me. I see a guy that, well, this could just be kind of mediocre Marcus Stroman all over again. I don't want to sign up for that, especially after just 71 innings this year. Mercy!
0: All right, Nick wins because he only used 39 seconds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will let the over, <laughs> I will let the listeners and the viewers decide who made the better argument for Framer Valdez. Let us know either in the comments on YouTube, tweet at us. Let us know. But I think you know, both sides are enticing and, and he could be a potentially uh potentially polarizing pitcher uh, to figure out here in the offseason. SP35 through 38. This is like the upside group for scott it's ian anderson Sixto sanchez jesus lazardo and lance mccullers scott very quickly who is i guess i mean i guess ian anderson's your favorite since he's ranked the highest but is he the one that you're most likely to draft of this group
1: i mean i'm most likely to draft whoever goes the latest probably uh but i i I do like Anderson a lot. I mean, his, his changeup is amazing. His curveball doesn't get a lot of whiffs, but he gets like, it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good setup pitch for him. He just, he just drops it in for strikes, uh, with surprising regularity. And, uh, yeah, I think clearly was the most impressive rookie pitcher this year, continued it into the playoffs. There are control issues there that that's, that's something that, uh, could bring him down. And, um, obviously an innings concern as there would be for any pitcher entering his first full season, but especially going into this season. So, you know, I don't want to put too much faith in him. I I would be a little nervous if he was my number four starting pitcher even, which obviously means I'm planning on going pretty heavy at starting pitcher if I have him 35th ranked and don't want him as my number four. Uh, but I, you know, in a, in a nebulous sense, I, I like Ian Anderson a lot.
0: Sounds like Scott wants four of his top 34 again in 2021, <laughs> if I heard correctly. Uh, before we started recording, Nick, we spoke a little bit about Sixto Sanchez, and, and everyone was very excited when he got called up. Obviously, uh, a lot of prospect pedigree, and, and looking at the early ADP from the uh, the two early mocks that Justin Mason puts together. Shout out to Justin Mason. does a great job with those. Uh, Ian Anderson, 131 ADP. Sixto Sanchez, 80 ADP. Lazardo 94, Lance McCullers 131. So people are are clearly head over heels for Sixto Sanchez. And you are a little bit more skeptical. Why is that?
2: Yeah, so I have Sixto at 37 right now, and I'm probably going to put him closer to 47. Uh the main problem with Sixto is I just don't trust him. I uh, his stuff is electric i was so amped writing his gift breakdown of his mlb debut i've not been that excited for an mlb debut in a long time but the problem is he throws a sinker that's not good at all i don't understand why he throws it. the four seamer is just miles better but he doesn't know where things are going i mean his changeup is really deceptive especially when you throw that hard but the slider like the first two sliders that he threw were perfect they were just dribble kibera down and in at the ankles and he swung over both of them they were mistakes that's not where they were supposed to go. That wasn't the intent, but it should have been the intent, but it wasn't. And that's kind of the story of six, though, is he has this amazing stuff, but I don't really trust that he's going to use it right. I don't think that he's going to be able to hit the edges and work a count the effective way. Like, okay, here's a fastball up, he's a nice changeup away, and another changeup. I just got you doubling up. Like, that's not going to be his story. So it's a 21% K rate this year. I mean, that includes a 10-strikeout game, but everything after that was five, six, four, two, two strikeout totals. That is not what you expect from this gift king in Sixto Sanchez, and I, as much as I really want him to break out of his shell and, and develop, I just I can't buy into it for twenty twenty one. You called so Sixto Sanchez it, what, the gift king. What's interesting
1: is you're you're talking about his command being poor. It sounds like, uh, or at it's least not.
2: Incon- it's like he's around the zone, but it's not really doing what he wants it to right. do.
1: Right, because the control in terms of strikes versus balls is
2: yeah. excellent.
1: Excellent. And that's, that's part of the reason why I'm high on him is just his ability to limit walks. And he's going to be one of the best ground ball pitchers in baseball. I mean, I want there to be more strikeouts. I'm hopeful he can develop into more of a strikeout pitcher in time as he, uh, you know, learns what works for him and what doesn't. Uh, But I think I I see a high floor here just because he's, he's, he's going to limit damage so well, um, both in terms of free passes and, and home runs.
0: At SP39, Scott has Patrick Corbin, who is Dunzo. And at SP40, he has Charlie Morton, who might retire. So there you go. We got to all 40 starting pitchers. Not really, but <laughs> wow, kind of. Uh, the I, most I,
1: negative I, possible spin on this guy.
0: <laughs> I, I love Charlie Morton, but he might retire. So we'll wait and see what happens with him. I do want to play a quick game of guess who. Are you guys ready? The way that this will work is I will give you a clue. You can guess a name or you can not guess a name. I will give you another clue. You can guess a name or not guess a name. And then I will give you a third and final clue. Okay. And hopefully you will get it right by then. Okay. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> guess who? Great. Clue number one. My 10.68K per nine was better than Zach Gallen, Dylan Bundy, and Clayton Kershaw. Um,
1: 107 I I don't know. Ian Anderson?
0: No. Clue number two. Among starting pitchers with 50 innings pitched my 3.23 XFIP was third best in the National League East <laughs> oh gosh, behind oh Jacob deGrom I don't, I don't and Aaron Nola. An <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not an XFIP guy, huh?
2: <laughs> no, it's league average. That's a skill set.
1: Um, third bet. Okay, so a good XFIP for the AL
2: East. Uh, let, me, let, me, f- let me find average. what the
0: Sierra was.
2: Uh, I'm going to go NL East. I'm going to say it's Pablo Lopez. It is not Pablo
0: Lopez, but that's not a bad guess, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Man. The third clue <laughs> that I have is uh, my early ADP is 227.3, so he's going very late, this oh, gentleman. Must be, because so, yeah, sounds I'm, like I'm, a... I'm having trouble
1: thinking of good pitchers in the NL East. All right. So, so that's the last clue, right?
0: Nick, you said yeah. you're a Sierra guy. His Sierra was 3.50. Pretty good. This guy's a pretty good pitcher in the National League East.
1: Yeah, with that strikeout rate in more than fifty innings. I mean,
0: right. what? And what am I missing here? It's, it's going, like it's hard contact rate flaw here. <laughs> His hard contact rate was just twenty four and a half percent.
2: Wow, what a guy! <laughs> I'm like going through rotations right now. It's got to be a mark Oh, I know who it is. Who is it? Scott. It's Zach efflin Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, good call. So is Zach Efflin good or what? <laughs> because he's maddening. His numbers okay. are pretty damn good. Really quickly on Zach on if it's all right. I mean, his curveball shows up every so often. And then he's a guy who throws like sinkers and sliders in the same spot. And some days, like, guys like, yeah, sure, whatever, do what you want. And he dominates them. And the other day, he's like, no, nah, no, we're going to, we know what you're doing. And then they just smack him around. And it's so frustrating. He'll have a game of like 20 whiffs. And then the next one's like, oh, eight. And that's it. I, I really don't want to deal with it. I think fat, his sinker slider isn't enough. The days when his curveball shows up, and he talks about that a lot. He had a day with his curveball was amazing, and he was so dominant, but I think it's too much of a headache to deal with.
0: If he leans into the curveball and slider more, I mean, we might actually have something with Zach Eflin, but he, he raised his curveball usage from 5% in 2019 to 13%, and he graded out very well according to Fangraph's pitch value. So, I mean, if we get that curveball usage up to, I don't know, 18 20%, and, so, and take away the fastball a little bit. I, I think that's something that could help it, him.
1: It's it's much harder to take those ten point, what was it, ten point seven K per nine seriously over, you know, two months. Yeah. Than if like, I I really wish I could have seen how a full season would have played out for Zach Eflin because it may, I mean, obviously it might change my opinion on him. As it is, I have him sixtieth <laughs> in my starting pitcher rankings.
0: He's uh, he'll he'll be a little a sleeper to dive into more and, and pay attention to in the offseason to see uh, what he's talking. If he's talking about using those off speed pitches, uh, breaking well, pitches a little bit more, something I think is
2: the in. curveball. He was actually for a while, but that uh, he talks about there's a, I think I remember reading an article about it where he wanted that to be a major pitch this year. But he says, yeah, something, you know, most of the time I just don't really have it. And then some mm-hmm. days he does and it's great. I can't buy into all of a sudden he's going to tweak one thing and this will be the year that his curveball is going to lock in.
0: Mm, we shall see. Zach Eflin. All right, Halloween's coming up, guys. Favorite Halloween candy? you a big Halloween guy, Nick.
2: I, I added fox ears one year and I was Nick Furry. That's the kind of Halloween <laughs> guy I am. <laughs> Have you
0: ever seen The Lost Boys? No. Uh-oh. All right, Well.
2: Have you ever heard of The Lost
0: Boys? I, I, I think so. You might get like two or three so. people to tweet at you angry that you haven't seen The Lost Boys. <laughs> um, all right, so we don't... I'm the only Halloween guy on this podcast. I, I'm sorry. Know, I'll just... yeah. yeah. You're, it's you're all right. You're a Halloweener. we we'll, we'll have to do. Uh, I was going to ask you guys what your favorite costume was, but I guess it's uh, Nick Furry. And um, Scott, please send me a picture or put it on Twitter of like whatever costume you're wearing for your children this weekend because I'm kind of excited to see it. Bob. Bob, the From builder. Puppy Dog Pals. Come oh, on. Puppy Dog Pals. See you later, pups. All right. Well, uh, I will actually be in full costume for the Saturday edition of Fantasy Football Today. So if you want to see it, go check out that podcast on YouTube, where you will actually see what I'm wearing. And to answer one of the questions I posed earlier in the show, Joe Musgrove is not in the top 40, which means, Scott, you're doing it all wrong. I'm, I'm wearing my Pittsburgh shirt. There's no Joe Musgrove here. Come on, Scott. What are we doing?
1: I have him ahead of Eflin. It looks like he's just outside of the top 50.
2: That's yeah, a, that's, that's progress. I, yeah, no,
0: I I'm 51. I'm half kidding. Half. 51, that's reasonable. All right, he does the same thing every year. He entices us towards the end of the season. Right. That, <laughs> Nick Pollock, at PitcherList on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. Make sure you check out his website, his podcast as well. He does fantastic work. Uh, Nick, where else can people find everything that you do?
2: Well, also at Instagram, but yeah, go check out our website. I do a, a ranking every single day of the year called the SB Roundup, going over every single trip from the night before. And of course, top 100 ranks every Monday during the year. So yeah, come check us out. We got some fun stuff in store for 2021.
0: Scott is on sabbatical next week. He will not be here, but I'll be joined by more guests. Do I know who those are yet? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. For Scott and Nick, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye.